Birdie, are we ready to rock and roll, people? Are we ready to rock and roll? Alrighty, let's let's pray. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. It's God's best idea. So Jesus, we come to you tonight and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do. <laughs> we ask God that you would do what only you can do. Take the reins of our hearts. Take the reins of our hearts tonight. I believe your glory is going to manifest tonight and we're going to encounter you in a way that's going to forever change us. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you that you came to give yourself to us. So we gladly and willingly, God, just stand here and sit here and kneel here, whatever, and just say, God, we need you. We need your healing. We need your, your, your fragrance. We need your love. We need your anointing. We need your love. We need your peace. We need your joy. We need your hope. We need your abundance. God, we can't go another moment, another day without the more of you. We want more. We're not satisfied, God. We want more. So lead us into our death. Lead us into wherever you need us to go so that we can get more of you. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry if my voice is weird. Two reasons it's weird. One, I'm sick. Two, I yell when I preach. <laughs> Um, today we're going to talk about abundance. Is that good news? Yeah. yeah, come on. I actually think it's like the greatest message in the world because it's the gospel. So we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And, and the sermon's probably going to start off kind of heavy. Um, but if you're preaching on abundance and it ends heavy, then you just have done a really bad job. So that's not going to happen. Um, but I'm really excited uh, to be talking about abundance today. And and, and I've only preached on abundance one other time before. And, oh, oh it was really different than this. <laughs> and, and the reality is, is um, th this message for me has been birthed um, out of great, great, great disturbance. Um, it's, it's a message that I feel like the Lord has been doing in my heart um, probably for the last four, five, six years. Um, but it's coming from this place of being really, really disturbed by the question of God, what does it actually look like to live a life of abundance when I have so much pain, when I have so much brokenness, when I have so much suffering, so much trauma and stuff I need to go through, God, and stuff that I have gone through, God, what does it actually look like to pray the prayer on earth as it is in heaven when all I see in front of me is like garbage? 
And so you're, you're getting the real me tonight. I mean, you always get the real me. I only have one way of doing things, and that's real. And so I'm going to be real with you. I'm, I'm not, I am not the most intellectual, articulate human being in the world, but I am someone who is incredibly emotional, <laughs> and I ask a lot of questions, and I sit in disturbances, and this disturbance really bugs me. And it's bugged me for a while um, because the reality is, is the Bible says that Jesus came to, to give us life and life abundantly. It's in there. It's what the word says. And, and if the word says that he came to give me life and life abundantly, then he came to give me life and life abundantly. And so I'm disturbed because I'm a Christian. I'm a son. And, and I am more familiar with pain and brokenness and trauma and sin than I am with abundance, if I'm being honest. If I look back, if I'm being real with you, I am more familiar with that than I am abundance. I don't have to think about what is brokenness, what is pain, what is suffering. But I do have to ask the question of what is abundance. And this disturbs me. And it bugs me and it frustrates me because the reality is, is, is God's word is true. It's not fake. It's not a lie. And so if he tells me that I, if he came for me to have an abundant life so that in every situation, no matter what's in front of me, I can abound in every good work. If that's what he told me my destiny is, if that's what he told me I'm called to live in, then why am I not living it? And I, and I got to this point where I was incredibly unwilling to point, keep pointing my finger at pastors and teachers. I got unwilling to point my finger at my parents. You're the ones who've caused me all the trauma. You're the ones who've caused me all the pain. That's why I'm more familiar with, with pain and suffering than I am abundance. I got done with it, and I came to this place, and I had to look in the mirror and look at myself. If I'm not experiencing abundant life, it's because of no one else's fault except for my own. And it's hard, <laughs> and it disturbs me. Because I love to think, I like to think that my heart is purely going after God. But this disturbs me. And so over the last few years, I've found myself um, in one or two camps. I've either found myself in the camp that has justified my thinking of, of not experiencing abundant life right now by finding myself in a camp of saying, oh, maybe this scripture is talking about I'll experience abundant life someday in heaven. And I would sit there and I'm like, maybe I'm just one of the ones on this earth, right? Life's not fair. Maybe I'm just one of the ones on this earth that is called or destined to live more of a life of suffering than others, and maybe I'm on my way to abundance. Maybe I'll get it at 80. Maybe I'll get it at 90. Maybe I'll get it when I'm dead and in heaven. But that's really, really bad theology. And that's theology built off of my lack of experience. And so I, so, and that's also not true because the Bible doesn't say that he came to give me abundant life someday. It says that he came to give me an abundant life. 
It, it does, it, it's not, a, the, whenever he talks about abundance, it's not speaking of an inheritance, it's speaking of the now. I'm going to say that again because that's really good. Whenever the Bible is talking about abundance, it's not talking about inheritance, it's talking about now. And so this camp is wrong. <laughs> I was wrong to be in this camp. And I was there for a while. So then I came over here and I sat in this camp. And what is this camp? This camp is Christian bubble. <laughs> Where everyone is nice. And everyone focuses on the goodness of God. And everyone focuses on miracles. And everyone focuses on, on laughing and joy. Uh, which are all good things. I'm all for all of that. But no one in, in the bubble that I was in, we know talking about brokenness here. We can't, we have to have a transformed mind. And a transformed mind can't think about bad and broken things. <laughs> Baloney. And I sat here focusing on the goodness of God. But really what I was doing is living in ignorance of my own pain. And living in ignorance of the pain and suffering that is actually going on in this world. <laughs> I'm being real. And so Christian, and, 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 and not only that, but, but what I also realized when I was living in this little bubble of middle school Christianity. <laughs> I only hung out with other Christians. I only played it safe. And that's the abundant life? No. Jesus didn't come so that me and you can have life and life abundantly so that we can sing kumbaya together with our Christian friends. Jesus came and gave himself. He suffered. He bled. He died so that me and you can have an abundant life because all of creation is yearning and longing for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. That's why we're called to live a life of overflow. It says in John 15, I tell you to abide. I tell you to be pruned. I tell you these things so that your joy may overflow. Why overflow? Because there's a sick and dying world full of suffering, full of pain, full of brokenness that needs a revelation of the goodness and favor of God. And so this bubble's wrong too. And so now where am I back at? Disturbed. <laughs> I'm back disturbed saying, God, I believe you are good and faithful. But there are a whole lot more times I can count on my hands that I've experienced suffering, pain, evil, sin. Then I have the abundant life of God. And I know the issue is not with you. I know the issue is not with the church that I was born and raised in. I know the church isn't on my, I know the problem isn't on my parents. The problem is with me. So God, will you show me the way of abundant life? Will you show me? Will you show me? Because I believe your word is true. It doesn't return void. So show me, God. And so that's what we're going to go on this journey of figuring out. Does that sound good? I think it's good. <laughs> that's probably good that you have conviction behind what you preach, right? That would be really bad if you didn't. 
Um, But before we jump into our text for the night, which is going to be in John chapter 10, I think it's important to talk about what is abundance, right? Like, let's just briefly go over, like, what is the abundant life? And and I I just took it from a few verses, but I, I... I think at its most pure form, the abundant life is, is the kingdom life. And so what is the kingdom life? Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You ready for this one? Buckle up. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly. <laughs> I'm just wrecked. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Could read that for all 45 minutes and we should leave here changed. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. One more time. He's the Trinity. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love it when people amen the Bible. It's good news. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. So what is the abundant life? The abundant life is a life singularly dependent and controlled by the Holy Spirit, where the overflow of your life is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is a life that in everything, no matter the mountain in front of you, no matter the diagnosis in front of you, no matter the depression in front of you, no matter the mountain in front of you, whatever is in front of you at every moment, at any time, you have abundantly more than you could ever need to get through that situation. So that, that's why all of my little bubbles are blown up. Because at every time, at every moment, abundant lifestyle is a lifestyle where that I have everything that I need in a moment. And not only do I have everything that I need in a moment, but the abundant life is not just a life of good sermons and motivational speeches and podcast binges where you start feeling really sanctified and glorified. No, the abundant life is a life where all the things that you're taking in, all the things that you're preaching out, all the things that you're speaking have potency and power and demonstration behind them. The abundant life is not a life for just personal gratification, but a life that actually has demonstration in the world of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen? So when we're talking about abundance, it should make you want to do abundance. (laughs) Because Because it's good news. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. I didn't do that in any other service. You must be my faves. Um, So we're in John chapter 10. Oh, man. I guess this is what happened when you forget what you've preached so far. Um, We're going to be in John chapter 10, and pretty much where my disturbance has gone, I've lived in John chapter 10 to John 16, essentially for the last six years of my life, 
they disturb me. It disturbs me for two reasons. God, what does it actually mean to abide? And God, what does it look like to overflow with joy? God, what does it look like to have abundant life? And so before we jump into it, it's important to know that um, uh, in the book of John, there's a major theme that Jesus has come to give the recovery of sight to the physical blind, but he has also come to give the recovery of sight to the spiritually blind. So what you'll see throughout the book of John is oftentimes when Jesus will bring freedom and healing to someone who is physically blind, what will then follow after that, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees telling them why they're, they're spiritually blind. You see, because how many of you know, like we just talked about, the, the, the kingdom of God is to be displayed. And so the Pharisees, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the religious people of the day. And they were people who intellectually knew the word of God. They knew the Pentateuch. Their sole purpose, their sole destiny, their sole job was to understand and study the law for the people of Israel. For the Jewish people, that was their job. That was their role. And, and the, the problem, though, was is Jesus had issues with these guys, and these guys had issues with Jesus. And they had issues with Jesus because the people, the, the Pharisees were people who, whenever a circumstance made them uncomfortable, like Jesus healing someone, because that did not fit their paradigm of the law of God, even though love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, whatever, seems to make a lot of sense to me, and love your neighbor as yourself, whatever, just go quote some scripture. They would fling accusation because it made them feel uncomfortable. I believe comfortability was their God. And so they would get stuck in their head and they did not allow the word of God to penetrate their hearts. They knew it probably better. They probably knew, they knew it better than anyone in this room. They could quote you. They could memorize it. They did this. They did that with it. But the reality was is they did not allow the actual words of the Bible to penetrate their hearts so that there was demonstration with their life. And so when Jesus started demonstrating it, they were confused and they would fling accusation. They would accusation and persecution on all of these things towards Jesus. And he wasn't having it because he's frustrated. Why is he frustrated? He's frustrated because these are the pastors of the day these are the people who are stewarding the cultural the spiritual culture of the people of Israel and there are people who were anti-Jesus healing <laughs> right I would have I sure hope you'd have a problem with that and so Jesus is talking with them through a parable-ish kind of thing like he always does and it says in verse 1, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gates but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The Pharisees are now confused. What the heck are you saying, Jesus? You're confusing me. And in verse 10, he tries to clarify and says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I received from my father. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees, and he's saying, essentially, I'm not like you. There is a big difference between the way you and I function. You know the word of God, but you haven't allowed it to penetrate your heart. Your job as a, as a, as a Pharisee, your job is to steward the, the, the spiritual climate of the people of Israel. But when something gets uncomfortable for you, but when you are attacked, when a wolf comes and you see your sheep broken, what do you do? You run and turn and you look the other way because it's uncomfortable for you. You don't actually care about the people that God has put you over to love and to nourish and to cherish. You are a people who have given yourself to intellect, but you're a hired hand. You don't even care for the sheep. I'm not like that. I am a good shepherd, and my heart is broken for the people of Israel. My heart is broken. For the rich, my heart is broken. For the poor, my heart is broken. And so I come, I know the word, but I demonstrate it by coming as a good shepherd. And I know my sheep's name. I know their struggles. I know their battles. And then you want to know what I do? I lay down my life and I get into the mess of my sheep. I get into the mess of the people of Israel. I get into the mess. I get into the self-righteousness. I get into the brokenness. I get into the disease. I get into it and I take it on my shoulders and I lay down my life so that they may have life and life abundantly. It wrecks me. It's the gospel. It wrecks me. And this is the journey that I've been on. I read this scripture. This is when it all started for me. I read this scripture some years ago, and I've lived in it ever since. Lived in it. I read it almost every day. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it, asking that question. God, what does it look like for me to live in abundance? When I'm more familiar with the reality that there's an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy than I am with the abundant life. I'm being honest with you. I hope that's not for everyone in here, but that is, I'm, I'm sure if it is for me, it is for some of you. 
that when I read that scripture time after time after time, I'm sorry, I just, like I read it and I read it and I read it with the hope, with the hope that by just reading it, I would begin to think more abundantly. But the reality was, is every time I read it, I was more familiar with the reality that there's an enemy who comes to still kill and destroy me than I am with the abundant life. And I'm disturbed. And I'm disturbed by it. And God, since that moment that I've read that scripture and since that moment, I have, I have been on this journey where he has been showing me and giving me insight. How many of you have noticed that a lot of times you'll be praying something and you really want it to immediately happen and then you realize years later you're reading it and you're oh my, like, oh my gosh, I get this now, right? And about a, a year ago, I was reading the scripture and I was like, oh my gosh, it's standing here right in my face, and I didn't even see it. But what, what oh, this is good. You get ready for this. It's like a, for me, it feels like a gold mine. Because I'm like, I was asking for so long, and then it's kind of not that crazy because it was there the whole time. Anyways, we're getting back into it. But it's crazy when you can't see something even right in front of you. Because you're blinded by your own selfishness. But what does the scripture say? The sheep know the shepherd's voice. And so we can come here and we can say, oh great, the abundant life is a life listening to the voice of God. And I absolutely believe that to be true. And I think a lot of people stop there. Like, right, how many times have you heard that? Abundance is found in him. Abundance is found in listening to the voice of God, right? Like, we've heard that. But what else does it say? They listen and follow. The sheep listen and follow. The sheep listen and follow. The sheep listen and follow. Where did the shepherd go in the story? He went to lay his life down. <laughs> the shepherd went to lay his life down. And he is speaking at us. You want the abundant life? It's a broken way. You head into your brokenness and you head into your own death. That is where we find the, the, the abundant life. Because <laughs> that's what he did. He jumped into our mess. He jumped into our brokenness. He jumped into our self-righteousness, our pride, and all of these things. And they and took him on his shoulder so that me and you could be resurrected in the abundant life of God. And now he looks at us and he says, all right, hey, now you need to come to an, own, an understanding of your own brokenness. So the way of abundance is by following me into my death, saying, God, would you crucify me? Would you crucify my flesh? Would you crucify my brokenness? Would you crucify it? Because I want to be resurrected. I want to live in the abundant life that you have called me to live. Because the way of abundance is the way of brokenness. It's by not being afraid of our brokenness. It's by looking at the fact that we are a fallen people. It's not avoiding it, but actually looking at it and diving into it because that's exactly what he did. Why? Because love looks like something. Love looks like getting into the mess. Love looks 
like looking at your own heart and realizing your own brokenness. And what the Lord began to show me is like, I was so good at seeing the brokenness of others. I was so good at seeing how my parents hurt me that I wasn't able to look at my own pride, my own arrogance, my own brokenness. And it wasn't until I let go of my mom, I let go of my dad, and I forgave them, and I said, please just go, I love you, I forgive you, that I was stuck with this reality that I was addicted to pornography, addicted to other things, addicted, addicted, hurt, broken, sinful suffering. And so what is my job now? My job is to dive into that and ask the hard question, why? Because as I jump into my brokenness and as I say, God, I need you to crucify those things in me, he gladly will and then he resurrects us into his abundant life. Amen? The sheep follow the shepherd, man. They follow him. We follow him. That's what sheep do. They follow their shepherd. And we can sit here and we can, we can say all we want, that we want abundant life. But do we really? Because it comes at a cost. It comes at completely dying to yourself. Completely and utterly dying to your own selfish desires. And saying, God, not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. You see, the life of overflow, the life of joy, the life that is spoken about in John 15 that says, I came, I tell you these things so that your joy may overflow. We love talking about the John 15 and the abiding, right? And how we abide, we bear fruit, and he tells us these things so that our life would overflow with joy. But what does it also say? That dead branches need to be cut off. Amen? Amen? You see, this is the, the big thing, though, is like, like we really can't be afraid of being broken. Right, Johnny preached a couple weeks ago. I don't know how many of you are here, but it really, really, really disturbed me. It really disturbed me on multiple levels, and it disturbed me because he went <laughs> through this 10 stages of spiritual development in a Christian life that a um, Barna, which is a huge, massive Christian study group kind of a thing, and, and they did this research, and, and they were looking at the, develop, the spiritual development of, a, of the, a normal Christian, and 90% of Christians, 90, 9, 0, when it comes to pain and brokenness, said that's when they stopped continuing their, their journey, their spiritual development journey. Okay, I want you to hold that thought. If 90% of the, of the people who call themselves Christian don't enter into their own pain and their own brokenness, why are we so surprised that there's so much suffering and pain and evil in this world? Why are we so surprised? You know, it doesn't make sense. 
He came to give us life and life abundantly, and so we follow him into our death. And, and I honestly feel like the Lord wanted me to preach this sermon because we've been having a lot of sermons lately that have been so good, right, about going after our own brokenness, going after our codependency, going after our fear, going after our walls of self-protection, going, asking the Lord to sanctify us and make us a holy people, right? We've been going after these powerful, powerful, powerful things, these broken, broken things, right? We are people who go after our brokenness. I'm just going to affirm that in us as a church, Like, I am affirming that in us. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to teach on this today because we can't lose sight that we're doing this because we're going somewhere. Right? We're doing this because we're going to walk in abundance. So we do abundance. Like, that's why we're going after our pain. That's why we're going after our suffering. God doesn't ask us to dive into our own sin issues and our own brokenness and our own trauma because he just wants to sit back and watch how we deal with it. He, he, it's because he wants us to live the abundant life that he paid for. And I'm sorry, but I want to live in the full reality that he paid for. I don't want to live another day. I don't want to live another moment living in a reality that is less than what he paid for. Otherwise, it makes the cross cheap. And so what greater way can I worship my king? (laughs) What greater way can I worship God and worship his death and his resurrection is by following him right there. This is God redeeming broken things is a common thing that he does all throughout scripture. The miracle is in the breaking. Let's say that again. The miracle is in the breaking. It was his broken body that healed us. It's his wounds that heals our wounds. It's his suffering that heals our suffering. It's his brokenness that heals our brokenness. The miracle is in the breaking, right? Ann Voskamp wrote a book called A Broken Way. I highly encourage any of you guys to read it. It will mess your world up. Like, if you're having a bad day, probably don't read it. (laughs) Send you on an emotional roller coaster, let me tell you. Trying to read that book while planning this sermon was insane. But she says, the ground breaks to plant the seed. The seed breaks to give us wheat. Wheat breaks to give us bread. Bread breaks to give us life. (laughs) Ground breaks for the seed. Seed breaks for wheat. Wheat breaks to give us bread. Bread breaks to give us life. New life is always found in the brokenness. New life is always found in our breaking. So we cannot be a people who are so afraid to be broken. We can't be afraid if people see who we really are. He can see. He can see who we really are. That should terrify us in some ways. So why am I scared of you to see who I am? For you to see who I am. Right? Like, I think we need to start looking at things and treat God like he's actually God. 
You know, because the reality is, it's like, I can't, I'm not going to be afraid of brokenness anymore. Because the reality is, is I'm broken, but he made me so I don't have to be broken. So I'm actually going to go to him and I'm actually going to get vulnerable. And I'm not going to be scared of vulnerability because he, my king, he, he died to set me free. And so I'm going to enter in. And you want to know what the beautiful thing is, is, is we now get to enter in with great joy. Like we now get to enter into our brokenness with an expectation that the animal, the, the animals. I don't even know what the heck that is. We head into it to kick the enemy in the mouth. He makes us afraid of brokenness so we don't go there. I said this at our college group the other night. You, all, you live your life controlled by one or two things. You're either controlled by fear or you're controlled by God. Romans in the Passion Translation says, uh, living a life controlled by the flesh slash fear leads to death. Living a life controlled by the spirit leads to abundant life. And so it's actually impossible for me and you to experience joy, hope, and peace in the Holy Spirit in a life that's governed being afraid of our own brokenness. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> but I'm serious, right? Like, it's impossible for us to live the abundant life governed by fear. It's impossible. You can't be governed and controlled by two things. You're controlled by one. What are you giving your heart to? What are you giving your mental space to? What are you giving your time to? Right? Are we giving our hearts to Jesus? Are we saying, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be afraid? Or are we hiding and building up even greater walls of self-protection? If we keep doing that, I promise you, you can live a life of fear and live a really, really safe life. It won't be abundant. It will be safe. And that's what Johnny's little study showed. So many Christians have settled for what? A safe life. I'm healed. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm not going into my own brokenness. I'm going to sit and be safe. I'm over it, dude. No way. No way. I want to be, I want to abound in every good work. I want in every moment, at every time, no matter what the mountain is in front of me, I want to know and believe from the depth of who I am. I want to be so ready for God to crash in. I'm over sitting there waiting, being like, I hope he's going to come. No, no, no. I want to get into a crazy, sketchy situation and just be like, ah, I can't wait till my God shows up. You know what I'm saying? Preaching. Did I already say the Israelites thing? No? This is good. I was talking to Riley this week, and, he, and we were talking about abundance. He's like, dude, it's so funny when we're actually willing to look and we're actually willing to see the reality that, that all throughout life, like even the food we just talked about, brokenness is the way to life. Even in food, it's all throughout scripture too. That brokenness leads to life. 
The life of the Israelites, they're in the desert for 40 years in the wilderness wandering. Why? So that God would break them. Break them of their idolatry. Break them of their pride. Break them, break them, break them. And they were dependent on the one thing and one thing alone. What was that? Manna that fell from heaven that only came because God poured it down. And for 40 years, they lived on that bread that fell from heaven. Which, I don't know about you, but homie, if I'm eating bread from heaven for 40 years, that's going to create dependence, all right? (laughs) Only thing they ate. The day they walked into the promised land, the manna stopped. Why? Because they've been so broken. They've entered into such brokenness that now they get to eat from the land flowing with milk and honey. There's a point to all of this. There's a point to all of this. And the point is for us to live in the abundance of God. Because that's his now for us. It's not our inheritance. It is our now. And so we need to be a people who enter in to our own brokenness for the sake of being resurrected into his. And what I think is really important to note, I got like four more minutes left. What I think is really important to note is that like oftentimes what the enemy would love to do when we start going after our own brokenness is he would love for us to stay there. I've seen this so many times as a pastor. Someone gets motivated by a sermon and they get excited to enter into their mo- into their brokenness. And so they enter in and then they enter into their brokenness and they forgot why they were going there in the first place. And they get there and then what happens when you head into your brokenness? Every single time, shame will come. And then the enemy wants you to stay in the shame of your brokenness. And that usually leads to a life filled with depression, anxiety, and stress. And so we, like, as we head into our brokenness, realize it's a really, we need to have an abundant mindset as we, had, as we head into our brokenness. Do you see what I mean? Like, I think we actually can think with abundance before we actually truly know it and experience it. Right, So my whole heart posture is going to look really different if I'm coming in, like if I'm coming into God, if I'm coming into my brokenness saying like, I'm going to kick the devil in the face by going here because I know who he's called me to be. I know what he's destined me for. I'm not going to really get that bugged down in shame. Right? Because I know why I'm going there. I'm going there because I'm about to be set free. But if I go there saying like, oh, I got to enter into my brokenness. Oh, I feel super guilty. We stay there. And our impact doesn't last. And so it's just as an encouragement, you know, like, as we're going on this journey as a church, and, I, and this is a life journey, right? This isn't like a, a day thing. This is a life journey. As we go on this journey as a church, may our mindset be an abundant life, um, an abundant mindset. And an abundant mentality is always rooted in intimacy and identity. It's always rooted in intimacy and identity. Yeah. And so as we just, we go, we need to know who we are. We're entering into our brokenness because we're a powerful people. It's, 
Everything's a paradox if you, haven't, if you can't tell in the Bible. <laughs> We're powerful, so we enter into our brokenness. That's good stuff. Um, I think I'm just going to share a quick story, and then I'm going to be done. Are we getting the point? So I think the, like, and, and, and as I said a little bit in, in, the, in the start, it's like we're going after these things because I, I, I really believe that, like, our world is desperate and starving for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. Like, like I, I believe in, like, I, I love when people say, oh, I just can't wait for the day where I look for good, I turn on the news, and it's good news. Like, I love that heart. I love that vision. But are you willing to go to your brokenness? Because I'm, I'm saying, like, I want to dive into that so that, the real, so that reality actually becomes true. Like, abundance is a way of life because all of creation is yearning for me and you to actually walk in the abundant call that God has called us to live. And that's how come, like I said earlier, he makes us so afraid of brokenness because abundance is our now. It is, we live in overflow life now. Joy, righteousness, hope, and peace in the Holy Spirit is our standard. And so I've been on this thing lately, and this is the last story I'm going to tell, and then we're going to be done because it's getting late. But I've been on this weird thing lately. I'm weird. As you can tell, I get disturbed easily. (laughs) But I've been in this weird thing. I told my college leaders, I'm like, I've been feeling so weird when people come up to me and say, oh, it's so beautiful how how you've chosen joy in the midst of all your pain and suffering. And it's weird. It's been weird because, like, I get it all the time. I get a comment on my joy almost every day of my life, honestly. And it's, and it's never felt weird probably until about the last, like, six or seven months since I've moved here, actually. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, and so I just began praying and asking the Lord, Lord, why does this feel weird? Why does this feel weird when, when people say, it's so beautiful how you've chosen joy? And the Lord started revealing it to me. And, and I think why it started to feel weird was because there's this implication that if I'm choosing joy, that the abundant life isn't my standard. If I have to choose hope, if I have to choose peace, if I have to choose joy, there's this implication, right, that I have to fight to get there. Does that make sense? And so I began backtracking because that's definitely not how my life has always been. Lord could tell you, if my wife was here, oh, I was a bully. I was not a good dude. I was broken, depressed, depressed and stressed and bully and mean and ooh, I don't like thinking about it. That's who I was. And so I wanted to backtrack. When did I get to this point of literally I can't go a day in my life almost without someone commenting on my joy? And, and, and it's, I don't see that in pride. You'll hear that in a second because I was such a jerk. And so, but when I was in this really bad moment of my life when I was in college, I was praying and I was asking the Lord to set me free. I was done. If the Lord didn't touch me, if the Lord didn't heal me, I, I honestly probably would have committed suicide. I was done. I was over life, over it, donezo. You ever been there? Like done, done, done. 
And so I'm like, would just get obsessed with praying. I'd pray days and hours and days and hours. God, if you could touch David, if you could touch Daniel, if you could touch them, you can touch me too. And if you could heal these people, if you could heal those people, if you could heal kids in Africa, I believe you could heal me too. Right? And so I would pray and I would pray and I'd pray and I'd pray. And then one day the Holy Spirit came to me and he spoke. And and now I'm realizing it sounds a whole whole lot like John chapter 10. But he spoke to me and he said, AJ, if you want me to touch you, you need to become like me. (laughs) God, what does that mean? You have so much bitterness, resentment, and hatred towards your parents. I shared this earlier. You have so much hatred and bitterness towards them that you're not willing to see your own junk. And so if you want me to touch you, you need to become like me. And so I need you to forgive them, and I need you to confess to me, and I need you. And that night I died. That's the night I died. Because that night... I, for, I had my buddy with me, Riley, and I forgave my mom and my dad for all the abuse, all the rejection, all of the police phone calls, knives thrown, all of it, forgave them, let go of it. And as I forgave, it was an hour or something plus, it was crazy, I'm weeping louder than I've ever wept in my life. People are like, what the heck is going on in that prayer chapel? And then it turned to now I could see, because now I could see my own brokenness. God, forgive me for my porn addiction. Forgive me for my tobacco addiction. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. And I literally was praying and weeping in my own brokenness, in my own pain, in my own suffering. I sat there weeping for hours. And then all of a sudden, you guys, I can't even, all of a sudden, my mourning, it turned to gladness. (laughs) Like that. This, and, and I didn't have language. I wasn't a charismatic. I wasn't a weirdo yet, right? Like, and so I didn't have any language for what actually was happening. And all of a sudden, this, this mourning and this deep groans of dying, that's what it sounded like. These deep groans of death turned into the most loud laughing that you could ever imagine. I mean, I was laughing so hard, so hard, that my friend that was in the prayer room with me bolted because he was so freaked out. Don't laugh, it's sad. (laughs) And all I heard three things. Sometimes I get them mixed up, but I heard three things that night. One, AJ, thank you. Thank you for entering into your brokenness. You're being healed. You've become like me. I can now touch you. Two, AJ, I will make you overflow with joy. You, my boy, will be an overflowing with joy kind of a dude. And three, he just began to release some destiny over me. But I can tell you that night I died. Not all of me. I still have a lot more brokenness and sin stuff that I need to go after. I'm continually, like Jordan preached last night, on this journey of sanctification. I am definitely not even close to fully being sanctified. But that night, a part of me died. 
And I can honestly tell you, since that day, I haven't chosen joy once. It's been my standard. And you can ask anyone in my life, since that day, my family crap only got 30 times harder. Being real with you, it only got harder and more difficult and more painful and more broken. But the reality is, is is from that day forward, because I was marked by him, I experienced the abundant life, and I haven't had to choose joy a day since. Because joy is my new standard. So it doesn't matter any diagnosis that comes my way. It doesn't matter divorce. It doesn't matter. It's not that I don't feel pain. I still feel pain. But my joy is my joy. And that is unshaken. No one can take your joy and your hope and your peace from you. You can just let go of it. But no one has the right to steal that from you. And since that day, and here's the deal that's crazy about that being your norm. When joy, hope, and peace, when the abundant life is your norm, and you live there, this is so cool. You start to realize, like, when you start dying, like, when you start not feeling that joy anymore, like, I'll speak from my experience, when I start not feeling that joy anymore, it means one or two things. One, there's an enemy who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy me. And so I easily just say, nope, punch you in the mouth. Or two, God's sending me a message that I need to go somewhere. Do you see how muddy it gets, though, when that's not your standard? Is this God? Is this the devil? (laughs) This seems scary. It must not be from God. Right, But when that's our standard, when abundance is our standard, we actually can hear the voice of God so much clearer. Amen? All right, will you stand? I'm done. Three services is something, let me tell you. Oh. Let me turn off the lights. Jesus, um, why don't you just stick out your hands? There's no need for any crazy emotional thing. Except for our yes to you tonight, God. We mean our yes to you tonight, God. And God, we apologize and we say sorry and we confess for all the ways, God, for all the ways that we've been afraid to enter into our brokenness. God, we say tonight that we will not be a people who give in to fear. We will not be a people who give in to fear. But in fact, we will be happy, happy, happy people entering into our brokenness because we're happy because of who you are and because of who you called us to be and what you have destined us to do. I honestly think so many of you maybe in here tonight have really been struggling honestly with general happiness. And yeah, I, I like, and, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to breathe onto you right now hope and joy and peace, that you're right where you're supposed to be. Keep going, keep going, keep remembering why, keep remembering why, keep remembering why you're going after what you're going after. Abundance, never ending, never drying, never lacking. Joy is coming, it's coming, it's coming. God, I just, and I just feel this right now. I just feel just 
If, if you've been diagnosed with depression, oh, stress, anxiety issue, or an eating disorder, I'm sure messages like this can be hard. And I'm just going to pray right now for healing in the name of Jesus. God, heal, 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 heal anorexia, heal, heal eating disorders right now, right now. God, heal it. Heal stress and anxiety disorders. Heal it right now, God. Just, I just, I'm just praying that the Lord would release trauma right now. For those of you who have gone through a significant, a, a crazy childhood, even abuse, I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you breathe deep, deep peace to those right now and this comfort and this safety that you are fighting for them, that you are waiting on the other side. That you are waiting on the other side. You are waiting on the side. He is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to dive in. He will heal you. He will not let you down. He is a never lacking source. So Jesus, we love you. We trust you and we praise you and we honor you. And we're just going to turn on some music in the back and we're going to have the prayer team come up. And we're just going to have a soft close. You do your business with God. I know we've had a lot of um, really heavy, heavy and good and awesome um, response times lately. So you do what you need to do. But, but I, I really mean this from the depths of my soul. Like seriously fight for joy this week. Fight for joy. It is the essence of abundance. Amen. All righty, love you guys.